and a very dear friend. Also, of course, Rivka Shalom Bas Menachmed Lakoin. And Yichas Yom Vishonim. Bod Lakayim. And Shir Shalom Bas Daniel. Yichas Yom Vishonim. Pashti Tzave. Shabbos Pashti Zohar. And Zacher is always the Shabbos before Purim. So we're going to build another, try to put everything in here. The Parsha, Atat Sava, and Pasha Zacher, and some Hilchas Purim and Tainus Esther Mitzvah time allowing. Pashtitzave discusses the Kalim again, but only one Kali. This Bechazov at the end of the Pasha. But it does discuss is the big day kuhuna the garments that the Kahanim needed to wear. Interesting, it's not ironic, of course, it's interesting to note that each beggar signified something. Every additional garment worn by the Kain Godel had its defined purpose. The Cheshen was made of 12 stones representing the 12 tribes, 12 Shvatim. The Tzitz on his forehead was Tshuva for all the Karbanas that were brought when one was not pure. Chulo. Each one had its own significance. One beggar, though, which is mentioned, the Avne Tase Maserikim, make a, a sash, an Avnit, of embroidery. We don't find any purpose for this per se. None of the garments required an actual belt to hold them in place. One or two did. But if it did need, it didn't need one that was 32 cubits long. This was long. Not only was it long, the Kayan had to wrap himself several times around and around with it. It was quite a, an issue here. The purpose of the Avnate was simply a beged hachona, a preparation to bring him to readiness, readiness to serve before God. That's what the Avnate was for. They said, unlike the other garments, each one had something. A divine service corresponding specific part of the body, etc. If you keep a score at home, in Gimara Masechtis Shabbos, the Yudom and Aleph says, from here we learn that we wear a gartel by davening. Yeah. A lot of people don't like that. Particularly, Gemara. 
But we won't go into that. We don't discuss politics. We're not discussing the elections in Israel either. From here we learn to wear a gantel. The words of Amos. Prepare yourself to greet God of Israel. Shomer the door. For putting on the body, wrapping the body around, signifies that you've completed the necessary preparations and now mentally ready to stand before and serve the king of all kings. Beautiful. A beautiful thought. In light of that, the Avnate, even more so than any other garments, represents the general sense of submission to God. The submission with which the Kahanim needed to serve in the Mishkan. Accordingly, we can understand why the Avnate was so long. Wasn't locked. Wasn't locked. We understand why the Avnate was so long. More than any of the rest of the garments that the Kangodal wore. It represents the general sense of simply submission to God, which the Kahanim served in the Mishkan with complete submission to God. Accordingly, we understand why the Avnet was so long and required the Kayan to wrap himself around and around and around again, repeatedly. This symbolized the Kayan's absolute dedication to God. Not once, but again and again and again, until he pushed, sensed his humility, his humble devotion before God, was perfect and complete. The Bnei Menachem, the Gerard dynasty, when he got married he undertook a very interesting achlota, a decision that he made, which was after Krishna Shalamita at night, he didn't talk. He wouldn't talk after Krishna Shalamita. Powerful, powerful achlota. For those of us who say hamapil, we don't talk either. But those of us who don't say hamapil, in order they should be able to talk, especially those who sleep talk. And a thing is talking their sleep, probably. Yeah, probably talking their sleep. I know he took on this achlota and I went to talk. His brother, the Rebbe. The basis role was to get it up at the time. One night after his brother, the Menachem, said Krishna Shalamita already, he called for him to come to his room. Menachem didn't know what he's going to do. If he could just nod his head and say, uh oh, uh oh, good. If not, what's he going to do? The Rebbe is calling him, he has to talk. And his brother spoke to him, and he had to talk and answer him. And now he was in a, a dilemma. What did he do now with his decision, with his achlota? He didn't want to break it, Tassel Shalom. 
he was very torn. And even his brother, who knew about this, Achlat Asetim, you already said, Kishmishalamit, and now you spoke, what are you going to do? He came up with a very profound solution. He just didn't go to sleep that night. So he didn't consider it Kishmishalamita, because he didn't sleep. A little far stretched, but it shows the devotion and dedication to Hashem. Selfless and totally, totally prepared to do whatever it takes to do it right. Many times on Pasha Tetzava we have we touch the same subject. And it's inevitable because that is the subject that we need to talk about. Of the Atta Tetzavah's B'nai Yisrael. The single parsha from the birth of Mesha till the end of Tera, where Mesha Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned. And there are so many different reasons. So many different reasons. But Meshav in his name is not mentioned. Mechaini no Mesif Lecha Asher Kasavta Asher is the Gematria 501, 501 etc., etc. Many different reasons. Why is it the Chlal? This parsha, because this parsha is usually read other, near the time of the seventh day of other. What's the significance of the seventh day of other? The passing of Meshe Rabbeinu. Since he passed away in Zion other, therefore, out of mourning, shall we say, we don't mention his name. What a chuchat lula. What a confusion. What a total opposite of what, what dictates normalcy here. Call a spade a spade. The parsha memory, you want to commemorate a tzaddik's passing? You do it by eradicating and wiping out his name, chas v'shalom? The name is the legacy of a tzaddik. The person is remembered even after his physical demise. How do we go and erase his name from the Pasha because it's next to his yard site and that's how we're going to mourn his, his name. That's how we're going to honor his name. On the flip side, although his name per se is not mentioned, his presence is very, very dominant in this Pasha. We see it over and over. More than any other parasha. Maisha is mentioned many times, most times, as third person. He wasn't there. In Tetzava, however, Hashem repeatedly addresses him, Ve'ato, and you. You're standing right here, the only way I can tell you, and you is if you're standing here talking to you. So by HaKadosh Baruch Hu repeatedly saying Ve'ato throughout the parsha, he's not only not remembering Moshe, he's perpetuating Moshe's name even more so. If not his name, his essence, his existence. Which is repeatedly mentioned in the second person. <sighs> beginning with, as we say in the beginning of the parasha, the Atta and you. The Atta Tetzave. In the present. 
The Zoya teaches us when a tzaddik passes on, his presence is in every world, including our physical world, even more than in his lifetime. On the one hand, the tzaddik's physical being, his physical manifestation in the physical world, is his existence of a neshama in a body. And therefore, when his when he passes away, shall we say, the neshama ascends lemaila and leaves the body lifeless, so to say. But now at this point, although in the physical world he's not seen, in the spiritual part, he's even at a higher level within this very world. For his neshama has now ascertained a higher level than he was ever able to on this world. He's no longer confined to a physical mundane body. Therefore the tzaddik's influence is far greater than he is limited, limited in this world. So accordingly now we understand why Moshe's name is omitted in this parasha. But not omitted, it's hinted by the passing of Mesha. Because even while referring to him directly in the second person, because a person's name is not his essential identity, it's merely means in which another person needs to identify him. It's for the Zulas. The name is for somebody else. Somebody wants to call you, they call you by your name. But for you, the name is nothing. However, if a person passes out, Hashem says, you whisper in his ear his name and his father's name, it awakens everything up. That's because we're talking to the Neshama. We're talking to the physical body. So the absence of Mesh's name in the Pasha and simultaneously his additional presence because you shall command the Atatitzava so therefore it properly represents the passing of Mesh and Zion other when on one hand Mesh's Neshama went to an external plane yet at the same time his nameless essence, the you, became revealed in the world to an even greater degree than before. And therefore we say, the Gemara, if you keep your score at home, Sechtestainus, Chavtes Amar Aleph, 29, side 1. Mishen Nichnas Adar Marbim Bismcha. When other arrives, Joy is increased. Beautiful. From Rishchidish, Adar, as soon as the month of Adar starts, and we show this in 770, they dance every night, is what they call other dancing. They dance every night, music, live music, it's, it's a beautiful sight. If you're young and have nothing to do at 11 o'clock at night or if you don't have a problem getting up at 7.30, o'clock in the morning the month of other is a season of joy and good fortune and therefore if a person has the mother tells us also the mother is here if someone has a court case with a gentile a guy he should try to schedule the trial for the month of other for the entire month is favorable for the Jewish people. Let's examine this a moment. The start of the celebration, the beginning of the month, 
Really? It seems somewhat premature. After all, the victory of our enemies in, in the Purim story took place in Beis, in Gimel, in Dalit, when we celebrate Purim. Tezvav. But the first 10, 11, 12 days, the, the, the decree was hovering over the Jews' head. It was, it was horrific. They were simply at the risk of being decimated. And if the celebration is due because we were defended and we were able to defend ourselves in the time of Purim, it's not the whole month. The fact that we could defend ourselves took place nine months earlier. So what significance does the beginning of other hold for us? Where does the the Talmud deduce this fact? Another thing, in addition to Purim this month, as we said before, another great event that impacted this month, the Gemara, if you give me a score at home, Megillah, Yud Gimel Medbeis, 13 side 2, tells us a very interesting story. Haman drew a lot which month to try to decimate the Jews. And when he drew a lot, it came out on month of other. He was ecstatic. Ecstatic. As we said before, this was the yard site of Moshe Rabbeinu, the death of their teacher. The death of their master. <laughs> what better time to annihilate the Jews? He was so happy. What he didn't realize was, the Yimara says, that Moshe was born, Zion other as well. It was his birthday. Happy birthday, Moshe. So therefore we see, the birth of Moshe on the seventh of other produced not only one series of miracles, of redemption from Mitzrayim, when Moshe takes the Jews out of Mitzrayim, but two, the miraculous salvation of Purim, of the Jews, of the story of Purim, was due, according to the Gemara, simply to the chance that Haman's plot was the mother of was born. So not the miracle of Purim that first takes place on the 13th day of the month that we're celebrating, therefore the whole month is special. It's Meshach's month. It's the birth, the birth month of Meshach Rabbeinu. And by being his birth month, this makes every day the month of other simply open for miracles. Every day of the month, therefore, is a reason to celebrate so Mishanichnas other Marbin Bisimcha. We have another Yomtiv. Zayn other Mishabin is birthday. Yudal other is Purim. But tonight, my friends, is a great, great Yomtiv for the Jews in today's generation. Tonight is Tes Adar, the ninth day of the month of Adar. The day that the Friedrich Rebbe, the previous Chabad Rebbe, Rabbi Yisrael Yitzchok, arrived at the shores of America. From war-torn Europe, the miracles that took place to get him here, he arrives on the last ship possible, other ships, what happened to them? And he arrives to the shores of America. Upon his arrival, he put on his big day Shabbos, which included his Spadik, his Bekesha. Unfortunately, because of the tortures he went through in the Soviet Union and the jails, in the prisons, etc. He was crippled. 
he was very, very badly wounded, and he had to be carried in a wheelchair. And a large group of dignitaries came to the pier to greet the Rebbe in America, to welcome him here. And these dignitaries included the Rabbanim and all the big people that are here in America. They saw the Friedrich Rebbe, the Malchusnik look of the Friedrich Rebbe's face, the regal appearance. But they also saw a Fatsaitish, a Europeish Yid, an old standard Jew from Europe. Something we've long left behind, my friends. If we have a beard, it's well groomed or trimmed. And if we have to wear something on our head, the top hat does the wonders. The coats, the jackets, of course, custom-made suits, short suits, slightly assimilated to the styles and fashions of the Americans. And they were concerned. And therefore, one of the, or perhaps a few of the delegation, only one of them could have said it, but a few approached the Rebbe and said to him, Lubavitcher Rebbe, America is Andrish. America is different. It's not like war-torn Europe. And the famous answer that the Rebbe says to them, America is nicht Andrish. America is no different. Of course, needless to say, he was making reference as explained to us over and over, because the words of Sadiqim, every word is counted, and therefore we can expound and delve into each and every word they say. And so too his words, American Ishtandrish, you're telling me I should take off my Spadik, my Kopik, I should take off my Bekesha, I should either roll up or trim my beard, because America is different. No, my friends. America is nicht anders. One of the people just had to be a wise guy. One of the people just had to be sharp a little bit. And say, let's be honest. America, what are you doing here? You left war torn Europe because it was dangerous, and you came to this golden Medina to the free country, home of the free and the whatever the word goes. Land of the free, home of the brave. How can you say it's Nishnandish? How can you say it's not different? Look around you. Look how you can breathe the air. You'll be able to walk in the streets mm. here, not being concerned that some Nazi is going to pounce on you. Or some Enkivideh, Russian, who knows what? How could you say these words? America is Andrish. To which the Rebbe says, no. Spiritually and physically it's no different. Spiritually, the same Teda that we learn in Europe that we learned in the Soviet Union, that we learned generations and generations, 
the same Teira is existing and continues today. This may not leave your mouth, your children, or your grandchildren. We need to perpetuate the words of Teira. But more so, the fact that physically we walk the streets is a lesson in its own, teaching us how we can fall into the abyss, we can deceive ourselves by thinking, by imagining that all is good, and that naturally, with natural causes, we walk the street safely, naturally, we can do what we want here, we can earn our parnasa, to get to a point where we're saying, my hands, my strength, my knowledge, has amassed me all that I have. No, says the Rebbe, no. American Ishtandrish. Everything is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Everything is Ashkocha Pratis. And I'm bringing to you now those same seeds that I planted back in Europe, in Russia. I'm bringing them here to America. And I'm planting them here, and you will see the saplings turn to trees. The trees will bear fruits, and they will grow and expand further and further. Because America is nisht andrish. This is not somewhere that the Yid can say, I left it all in Europe. It's a place just like in the European Yiddish shtetl so too in the Jewish barriers or neighborhoods. Today, unfortunately, we are revisiting again, and we've spoken about this only too often, too many times, that horrific sickness of anti-Semitism. We're again experiencing how the non-Jew not every one of them but how the non-Jew at its own hates despises and cannot tolerate the Jew doing what he needs to do and to this we take the words and we apply it to our daily life We apply it to our daily existence. Do not try to blend in Rahman al-Islam. Not with Goyesha music, not with Goyesha culture, not with Goyesha clothes. Definitely not with Goyesha foods. Non-kosher food, or even cholavakim, is mitamid leaven the mayach. It makes impure the heart and the mind. But it's not cholavakim; it's cholavstam today because they don't allow you to use pig's milk. No, one must see to it to drink, to consume only Chol of Yisrael products. One must be extremely excruciatingly careful by every place they go to eat. The attitude of, eh, there's a paper, a certificate, a tuda on the wall, good enough. If it's not kosher, the rabbi is going to burn for it, not me, it's his fault. No, sir. If you ingested it, it's affecting your mind and heart. 
And the same thing is with Chol of Stam. If it's not Chol of Yisrael, it's one of the worst things someone can do to themselves. As is the culture. The music. The music is extremely attractive. It's extremely pulling. And it schleps in the person. So much so, that we have people that listen to Rachman al-Islam Goyesh music. And then they get, they say this, they get a lightning bolt, or they get impressed by somebody to stop. And they work very, very hard at it. And then they revert back. Either because of less respect that they have for that particular person, or because they just say the Yitzhara is too strong, for whatever reason it might be. The Torah tells us this week's parsha, Meishu Rabbeinu is commanded. V'ato hakrei ve'lecho es areno chicho ve'ezbon of itoi. Bring close to you your brother Aaron and his children with him. The commandment HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Meishu Rabbeinu When it comes now to the clay mishkan, the vessels in the mishkan, the tabernacle, and the garments of the kahanim. First things first, before prior to standing up the mishkan, in the beginning of the parashev, atahakre ve'lecha es aranachicha es bonav itay. Why? Lechahanoyli to be my kahanim, to be kahanim to me. The essence, what seems to be this command, Meshe Rabbeinu is required to bring forth Aaron and his children and to separate them from the entire nation. And they become Koyhanim. But the commandment, Hakreit Eilecho, not to me, Yechadosh Baruch was saying it, Eilecho to you. Meisha was the level of a Kayin. Meisha himself was a Kayin. But the Kahuna did not go to his generations after him. Rather, they went over to Aaron, his brother, and his generations. And he had to bring Aaron, his children, to the level of which he ascertained as a Kayin. And therefore, Dovra Melech says the end of te- at the end of the Shira Malas, Where do they sit together? took the oil and anointed his brother Aaron. Honestly speaking, Rabbi say. Did anyone here imagine this is not painful for him? He was giving away his position. Albeit his older brother. But it was something that he had. And it's being taken from him. Was there no hardship on his heart? Tells us the tater no. This is the greatest level of Shevis Achim Gam Yochad, brothers sitting in the unity of brothers together. Was it Mesha ordained, anointed Aaron? And he knew that what he did was correct. How? Because when he had anointed him and he put the oil on his forehead, it rolled down, says the Medish. This Gan Aaron to Aaron's beard and fir- formed two pearls. And by these shining pearls, he realized this was in essence what HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this was what HaKadosh Baruch Hu was meeting from this. So let us examine the greatness of the Kayin. A Kayin is a guy who do- takes care of things. 
The Shamas Nashul is Mechay in the Kshul. He, he is a Badina. A servant. Here the Kayin is not talking about what he does, his deeds, his essence. His Mahus. This person is a Kayin. And he was sanctified by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded him to Moshe, Atta HaKrev, Eilecha, bring it to you. To your level, bring them up. The union of Moshe was to bind a special connection between them and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This same Moshe that spoke to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, upon him, upon him, face to face, in a level of Ishar Lekim, this is what the Kahuna shows out. Meishu Rabbeinu was commanded to apply from his Kedusha and hand over to these Kahanim. And from here onwards, the holiness will rest, will rest on them and their future generations. Mesha was the leader, the Rebbe of the entire Am Yisrael. And still in all, he's commanded to do this special task. Bring it to you from amongst the entire nation. In order to sanctify them with the Kedusha for Bnei Yisrael. The Espashtusa, the Mesha Bechaldara Vedara. Zaya tells us each and every generation has within it a spark, an essence of Meshe Rabbeinu. The tzaddik hader that's Meshpia on the entire generation. Just like the head teaches the rest of the body, or tells the rest of it, dictates the rest of the body how it needs to do and move. But yet, keeps everything close to itself. On his students, and on those that go in their way, the tzaddik hader, the leader of the generation, needs to see to it that they follow his ways. And they accept and they get from him all that he has to give. And especially at a level of hakriv elecha, bring closer to you. As you could think, I didn't, I wasn't perfect. I wasn't perfect. I wronged, I did things wrong. And therefore I'm not capable of being at the level of a kain to serve God. I don't have that kesher, that connection, to bring close to the measure of the generation. Therefore he says, This is before the Kahanim got dressed, before the Kahanim did anything, before they did any service in the Mishkan. It's a union of essence of the person. Just coming close to the leader of the generation. And therefore it's taken upon us the merit and the responsibility to fix all these things, all these flaws, to garb in the big day kuhuna, and to start to work as a kayin, spreading the light of Tainach Siddhis amongst all Jews, no matter what walks of life. Whoever one can influence, they need to influence to the best to the better, to the better mint, to improve, and by improving on themselves, they show the person how to improve. And they make other people kahanam as well. This will advance, will speed up the revelation of Esamigda Shashlishi and the Bias Mashiach Tzitkenu Bekar of Mamish. Dr. Rebbe, it's too extreme.
in the shul, the custom was whoever read the Teda, the Vakera had to wear a strangle. Now, generally, the Altarebbe read. On occasion, the Altarebbe didn't. They had a spare. In case the guy didn't have his own strangle, there was a spare strangle in the shul, and he wore that. On one occasion, the fellow that Step four didn't have a shtreimel. The shamus couldn't find the spare, so he looked up and what was on the hook? The altar have a shtreimel. What could happen? Took the altar have a shtreimel. The guy wore it. The guy davened, laned, whatever it was, and the shamus put it back up. After davening, the altar goes to take his shtreimel. He puts it on. And immediately takes it off. He calls over the shamans and says, Does somebody else wear this? He says, Yeah, he tells him what happened. The spare wasn't to be found. And that was the first thing that came to my hand. Immediately, the Altarebbe turns to the Shtraimomacher. And he told the Shtraimomacher, Do me a favor. Take it home. Take it apart. And stitch it together again with new threads. None of the old threads should be there. So, if you ever made a shtraimel, which I'm sure all of you, everyone practiced at least once to make a shtraimel in your lifetime, after putting it together, it needs to be baked in its form. So the shtraimel macha went, and he did like every other shtraimel, and he took the shtraimel, and he put it in his baking oven, and it's supposed to be in the oven for an hour. And Baruch Hashem, shtraimel macha, promptly fell asleep. And he woke up in the morning, nice and early. But nice and early was way more than an hour. And he said, Oh no, the Rebbe Shtraimel. And he opened the oven, and lo and behold, pile of ashes. What do I do now? How do I tell the Rebbe? You know what? I'm not going to tell the Rebbe. I'll avoid the Rebbe. I won't tell him anything. Rebbe gave me this job. He knows exactly who has it. He knows what happened here. Got a Michigan. I'm going to go. And he comes to the Alter Rebbe and he knocks on the door. And he walks in very melancholy, melancholy, his head down, downtrodden, really embarrassed. The Alter Rebbe looks at him and says, What happened? Steinel burnt? Yeah. No, no. No, no. Get another one. So it was obvious that the Altarebbe saw that whoever wore the Shtraimel was not fit to wear it. And therefore, he couldn't wear it again. No matter if it was taken apart, put together, no matter what you did to it. Huh? Al-Trebbe wasn't the average <laughs> Sholem serving Rebbe Shaim serving Rebbe Al-Trebbe had a, a, a total different Nishama Al-Trebbe had a Nishama that saw and did things that I mean just the examples of the stories of his arrest and his, his, his freedom which I'm not going to get to now it's of time will do that but We've done it. You can listen to stories how the Altrebbe stopped the boat during, for Kiddush Lavana. Oh, we did Kiddush Lavana tonight. A good Kiddush, everybody. For Kiddush Lavana, he stopped the boat. And the guy was fr- petrified. He kept trying to move the boat and it wouldn't move. Finally, he saw that the Altrebbe meant business. He wanted to stop to him. Kiddush Lavana. She told the Rebbe, okay, I'll stop. So Altrebbe released the boat let him roll a little bit, and then he himself stopped it. Al-Trebbe didn't want to do it on a boat that he stopped. Just examples. This Shabbos is Parshas Zohar. From the four Parshas, the past Parsha was two weeks ago, Parsha Shkolem. This Shabbos Parsha Zohar, which is always the Shabbos before Purim. After that will be another break, and then Parshas Pora, which is the Shabbos before Chodesh. Is there a break?
Potters have to put him? Yeah. Possible. Everything's possible. Sorry? Yes. Tetzaveh is Zacher, and yes, Kisisa is Parah. And then comes Hachidish, Shabbos after, Pashva Yaakov Kudai, and then we go to Hachidish Nisan. When all the ladies go into a panic. Panicking ready. Making hamantash and, and cleaning up quickly because it's almost Pesach. Pasha Zacher is imperative for everyone, men, women, and children, to go to shul to hear. The Balkader needs to be very careful to pronounce every single word. There is a issue, an issue, with the word Zecher Amalek. If it's Zecher or Zecher, and therefore it's repeated. Zecher and Zecher are repeated. Both now and in Mishalach. And the Bavitch custom is that here we say Zecher, Zecher, and in Mishalach we say Zecher, Zecher. There are those, we'll soon discuss how, what, and when. There are those that have a minig, and they say Timcha is Zecher Amalek, Bitachas Hashemoyim, and then they say Timcha Zecher Amalek, Zecher Amalek, Bitachas Hashemoyim. And those who have a custom to say only Timcha Zecher Amalek and then again Timcha Zecher Amalek. And those say Zecher Amalek and Zecher Amalek. Some say the entire Pasuk. But both need to be said. We need to be very careful to hear this and not to miss a single word from the Kriya of Paja Zecher. Achenu Asfardim have a different way of pronunciation, a different way of song, of tune, and therefore there is a there is an opinion that says that neither Ashkenazi nor Sfardi should mix on this Shabbos. The Ashkenazim should listen only to Ashkenazi Kriya, and the Sfardi only to Sfardi Kriya. Can the Glitziana listen to the literature? I don't know. Good question. Bottom line is, If a mistake was found, when they read Pasha Zacher, you have to take out another Sefetera and read it again, without a bracha. The bracha was made, obviously, that's how he found it. If it was found before the bracha, then we change it, no problem. And we make the bracha on the second one. If a mistake was found in the Teda, and we only realized it after davening, if it's not a tremendous problem, to bring back together the people and read it again. To be Yetzi de Chivosei, according to those that hold, Minat we need to read from the Sefer Teda that's kosher. If it's tremendous, it's going to take too much effort to bring everybody together, they will yates it with this positive potato. But, it should just get known to everybody, the message should get out on WhatsApp shul, or the text from the shul, or a sign in the shul, that if you heard Kriya from this Sefer Teda, if you heard Pasha Zacher, there was a problem and therefore on Purim make sure you listen to the Kriya of Vayavaya Molek and be Yaitza with that as you were slightly not Yaitza with the other that's Shabbos Shabbos moves on and we have this year, Purim on Tuesday, therefore Tainasesta is Monday. Not running into any major debates, 
when and where, how. Everybody is supposed to fast. However, if one feels they can't, a pregnant woman, a woman that just gave birth, a nursing woman, they need to ask a rabbi. To ask by the rabbi, you can't say on yourself, ah, I'm not fasting. They need to ask the rabbi. A person that's not well, and it's very, it's affecting him very strongly. An old person that's very weak. Technically, does not have to fast, but has to ask a rabbi. Someone who gets tremendous eye pains, same thing. A doctor, a nurse, someone taking care of sick patients. Should also discuss with the rabbi. But all those that, bottom line, end up not having to fast because the rabbi told them to, or the doctor told them they're not allowed to fast, they don't need to make it up afterwards. The Bali Bris, on the day of the Bris, the father of the child, the Sandik and the male, and those who say don't have to fast the tiny sister. If the tiny is early, definitely don't have to fast. And you don't have to make up the fast on another day on Friday. There are opinions that say Taina Sesta, even if it's Nitcha, maybe they should make it up. The Bali Bris, etc. If the Brismila comes out on a Thursday, everyone around needs to be Machman fast, and the Sud is made by night. Chasen Kala and Sheva Brachis don't fast. Now, according to some opinions, they say, but you don't fast twice in one week. Since Chasen Kala fasted the day before their wedding, but if the wedding was the week before, and this week is Tainas Esther, some want to say that they do, but basically they say Chasen Kala don't fast, because it's not, it takes away from the Simcha. But even if someone is potter from fasting, they cannot eat meat and, and indulge on the day of the fast. We give tzedakah before Purim in commemoration of Machzah Shekel. This is done before Mincha and Tainas Esther. If Purim is on a Sunday, then it's done on a Thursday before. Or in the evening before Megillah reading. Some even give on the morning of Purim. Some say, if Purim comes out on Sunday, to give twice. Minicha the day of the fast on Thursday, and the day of Purim on Shachris, before Megillah. Cities that have walls, the walled cities, Purim is Tezvav, give before Minicha on Yedalit. Be careful, Ratchila, not to call this Machsa Shekel. It's Zechel Machsa Shekel. Not such a terrible thing you do, but it's recommended. What we do is we take three half coins, three half dollars, and we give three half dollars. But they need to be the silver. So the Shamas of the Shul usually will have on a plate with three silver coins you'll give money to redeem that you'll lift up the coins one at a time three times, put them back down again 
you're going to afraid the Chimpurim, we do this to families, men, women, and children, sometimes do it. The Chiv is basically on the men. If a woman wants to do it, she can do it. If her husband wants to do it for his wife and children, he should do it. But once he does it, he should do it every year. And it can be done for his unmarried, obviously. We have a Fedel Chapurim, and we'll be in Yerushalayim, Ira Kodesh, with Mashiach Tzidkenu, Agud Shabbos, and a Fedel Chapurim to all.